We'd like to welcome you to the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I'm your host, Amber, and I'm here with co-host Austin, and we'd like to know, do you have a passion to make a greater global impact? Are you ready to embrace leading with heart and love? If so, join us on this journey to become heart leaders who change the world. Each episode brings heart-centered connection, building stronger relationships, communities, and businesses. Let's take a deeper dive into what it means to be heart leaders. The Heart Leader Podcast starts now. Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber, and I am here with co-host Austin, and we are kicking off the month of vulnerability. Our topics the entire month will focus around the heart leader key attribute of vulnerability because it is so vital and important. And we followed it up after authenticity for a very key reason. And Austin and I are going to dive into that here through some discussions. But I'd really like to start by saying, Austin, I know when we were talking about all of the key attributes of being a heart leader and we talked about whether or not there would be a flow on how we would bring these forward, we were like, there kind of has to be because they're building blocks. And in order to really fully embrace one, there are some that have to kind of set the foundation. Mm -hmm. And authenticity was one that's kind of a foundational step for really getting into vulnerability. Yes. And it kind of, in a way, you'd say, well, why is that? Why do I have to be in touch with my authentic self in order to be vulnerable? What would you have to say to that? Why? Why do we have to be in touch with our authentic self in order to be vulnerable? It's a great question. Um, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's one where at first the idea of authenticity and vulnerability, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg in a way, right? But the reason why we ended up using authenticity first and vulnerability second in that step, in that flow, was because how can we really be vulnerable if we don't know who we are? Otherwise, we're creating a facade or an idea of what vulnerability is. So to a degree, are we being vulnerable or can we be vulnerable if we don't know ourselves? Sure, but we're putting limits. And so we can't truly understand the actual vulnerability of who we are, why we are, or the depth of that vulnerability until we fully understand ourselves. That's the connection point. Yeah, and ultimately, when we talk about vulnerability, at least mm-hmm. for me, yeah. you know, there are defined definitions of what vulnerability is, obviously. But to me, when I hear the word vulnerability, what it brings up for me is that I am, as you said, being my full authentic self, at least the way that I know myself authentically right now in my personal life, in my professional life, in my social life, I am showing up and I am not fearing that people are going to see me 
for me. So I don't need to protect myself. Mm. I don't need to fear that someone is going to hurt me for being myself or for embracing what makes me the unique aspect of the soul that I am. Mm -hmm. And so there is no longer this need for protection Mm -hmm. in society or in my life. Um, That doesn't mean I'm not cautious. Right. Because there's always a need to be mindful and cautious. But this whole need to protect ourselves, to always be on the attack, to always feel like we're fighting something, like that fight or flight is constantly kicked in. Instead, I can fully love myself, and that opens me up to fully love others. And that's in every aspect of my life. It isn't just in my personal life. It's in my professional life. Because the moment our team knows that we truly care about them, then they truly care about us. And it creates this strong foundation for a team that will always be there, even if they move on to other careers, even if they move on to other things, they're always coming back. And that starts from authenticity, because I know myself, and then I consistently show love from that authentic place. So well said. That really works personally, professionally, and collectively. And I feel like you hit a really important part in there. I mean, among many things in that that were very (laughs) important. Uh, But one that really stood out to me was you set a strong foundation. And I feel like even to dissect it even more, the word strong is really important. I feel like there's a massive uh, misconception that vulnerability equals weakness. And so if we can start flipping the script on that and recognize that vulnerability is actually, in truth, strength, then we can really understand who we are personally, professionally, and collectively. Because it takes strength to understand who we are. It's easy to put up a facade and pretend to be something else, pretend to be someone else, pretend to be anyone or anything around us. True strength is in understanding self because no one's ever done that before. No one's ever has. We talked about this in authenticity last month, right? No one has your perspective. No one has the life that you lived. So it takes strength to be that, to witness that and connect with that within oneself. Yeah, it really does. And I know speaking from a career that I once had where the way I looked was product, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I would either be accepted or rejected often just based on what I looked like. Like Mm. they didn't even know me. They knew nothing about my life. They just, I would walk in and it was either you fit the look, you don't fit the look, you need to do this or do this or do this. And if I wasn't cautious and not letting that shift my authentic self, but vulnerable enough to go in and say, I'm presenting myself as I am, it either aligns for you 
or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm not changing who I am because it will work for someone else. Mm -hmm. And so there is a strength that comes from that. When I first started in that career, I did not have that strength. I would come home after every rejection and I would cry and I would be heartbroken and I would feel like it was a personal slight on a professional response. Mm. And so that's how I feel like sometimes we do allow our vulnerability to start to impact our authenticity so it can go backwards. Mm. And we can start to go, oh, let me then instead turn into what they want me to be mm -hmm. so that I can fit into this career or I can fit into this role because I don't want to hurt the way I hurt when somebody rejects me like that. It almost sounds like, well, first, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. That's important because I'm sure a lot of people can connect with that in many, many ways. I mean, that's very common, sadly, these days. I mean, when it comes to professional or even dating apps, I mean, it's all centered around what you look, not who you are. And, you know, it's yeah. all swiping. And so I can, I can almost guarantee anyone listening to this right now has had some version of that. So I appreciate you bringing that forward, finding a connecting point that we can all understand. Um, but I feel like what, what I heard from what you were saying, which is, is something I actually hadn't really viewed it from this perspective, and maybe we can um, I'd love to get your perspective on this. Um, we talked about how things like authenticity and vulnerability can be tools or weapons. Yes. And I hadn't thought about that where vulnerability could could be almost in a way could be used as a weapon because it's accessing our insecurities. Yes. And so how does someone differentiate insecurities and vulnerability to recognize that no this is not a weapon that hurts oneself but how do we turn vulnerability into to a tool that can create strength within oneself? Yeah. And it's a really great opportunity to highlight our insecurities. Mm. So if we look at it that way, yeah. and that's how I had to go about it. So each time I would get a no, no, you are too, you're underweight for the role. Mm -hmm. No, you're overweight. No, you're too tall. No, you're too short. Mm. No, you're not pretty enough. Like it was always about my appearance. And so growing up, very insecure about my appearance, which I know a lot of people kind of navigate through that, in, that layer of insecurity. You know, it might not be your whole appearance. It may be one aspect or two aspects of your appearance. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to put yourself into a position where you are the product, you better be ready for that nerve to get struck over and over again. And in the beginning, I definitely wasn't. But what it created for me was an opportunity to stand back and be in witness of my insecurities. And it could either take me down or I could use it to say, okay, so then how am I going to embrace that part of myself? How am I either going to, if I don't like it, shift it so that I can do something about it? Or 
just realize that that's a beautiful, unique part of me that makes me who I am. Mm. And that role that I was going for may not have desired that there will be one that that'll be a perfect fit for. And so I just need to find where my part of the puzzle clicks in. And I think that that's a tool that we can all use where instead of thinking that we need to fix something about ourselves, because it's not broken, maybe it could be adjusted to help us feel more comfortable, or maybe it doesn't need adjusted. Maybe it doesn't need anything. We just need to learn to find the beauty that's in it. You know, there's always room for growth and expansion, but to change something, to feel like, oh, that's just broken and we need to change that, then that's taking away part of our authenticity mm-hmm. because that brought us to the place where we could even observe that there was something to shift in the first place. Yeah. And so we need to honor the beauty and what got us there first mm-hmm. and then choose to shift it instead of feel like it's broken and needs fixed. So that's where I think being vulnerable can help greatly excellent yeah that makes a lot of sense that's a great way to differentiate vulnerability and insecurities that the act the tool of vulnerability is taking a step back as you're saying and witness or be an observance of the experiences that you have which are insecurities and from that place we're actually seeing ourselves and we can say okay i can overcome that and find the strength in that or I can allow that to determine my identity and I can lose myself through that process. So I really like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and I know we just navigated through mm-hmm. kind of a very vulnerable thing for me recently. Mm-hmm. I'm not always the best at asking for help. So if we're <laughs> going for vulnerability and me being vulnerable here, I'm going to go all out here. Right. Um, I am not the best at asking for help or even receiving it. And so I have placed a lot of focus on navigating through that recently. And as my partner, I came to you and said, hey, I'm navigating through this. I'm going to be very vulnerable here. I could really use your help in this area and then bam I was met with something that I honestly did not expect not an uncaring response just an unanticipated response and I know when we are being vulnerable sometimes we have expectations of the outcome and that can send us right back into protective Hmm. right and so when that happened for me because that is exactly what it triggered i was vulnerable and i'm like here and then you had an unanticipated response that kind of sent me back into oh i need to be protective because that was not what i anticipated what was that like for you on the receiving end of that if you're willing to be vulnerable and share, because <laughs> it happens, it just—it uh, was a good opportunity for me too. Uh, I feel like we 
unintentionally set each other up for that, um, where when my response was not received as I anticipated, then we almost both, we had the same experience just in two different ways. And so you know, it kind of reminded me a lot of what you and, and um, Reverend Poole were talking about, where sometimes when we have, when we're communicating, we all, all of us have this, sometimes we just want, we talk and then we're already thinking about what we want to say. And sometimes we'll even set ourselves up. We'll ask a question, not to hear someone else's response, but just to be able to hear, just to show that we know something about the subject or, uh, you know, Hey, I've done it myself. I understand, like, not like seeking to be um, intentionally crafty by any means, but, um, just maybe triggered by an insecurity and in a way what you're presenting is that when we have these conditions it's almost like an emotional version of that mm-hmm. where we're setting ourselves up um, when we have that kind of expectation we're setting ourselves up to pull back to where we feel comfortable which is protection mode and so it was a good opportunity for me to recognize okay where in, where personally in, in my own ego is this coming up? Why, when I know in my heart that, you know, hey, if I respond in a way that I thought was loving and caring, but it was not received as such, how can I step out of my own self to recognize that when my partner, or in essence, anyone, is seeking that type of vulnerability, it's not about me. It's about them in that moment. And so how can I get out of my own way to be there for that person, for you? Um, Because later in the conversation, once your request has been addressed, I can always circle back. It doesn't have to be right now. That is another expectation in and of itself is that we expect an immediate response or immediate result. Yes. And so we're just putting expectation on expectation upon expectation. And eventually we're just setting ourselves up for failure in that sense. So if we can pull ourselves back from that, respond as best as we can, but genuinely from a place of, Am I actually hearing what this individual is saying and what they're requesting? And am I answering it as best as possible? And if not, seek to understand and then circle back later and understand why the response that was given was not received in that way to help for future communication. So it's almost as though there's a need to meet my request my vulnerability with vulnerability Mm. because where it was coming from was that strength and yes and oh and i'm being vulnerable and opening up and so when vulnerability gets met with that it's almost overwhelming like wait a second whoa Mm -hmm. so not that there isn't a need from me who's being vulnerable to let go of expectation because Mm -hmm. true vulnerability is about letting go Mm -hmm. 
yeah. of expectation right. and just opening up and whatever comes back, allowing that, not that there aren't boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I feel it is very important for us to discuss the difference between letting go of expectation and not needing to be protective so that you can be truly vulnerable, but honoring boundaries Mm -hmm. that allow you to feel comfortable in the exchange. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what we were able to navigate into because in that exchange that we had, my immediate was to pull back into protection and then I had to take my own step back and go, wait a second, I just went into protective mode. That's getting us nowhere. Mm-hmm. Let's instead return to, okay, here are my boundaries, mm-hmm. and this is why I was triggered, and then be vulnerable enough to explain that to you. Right. So you could go, oh, I didn't even realize I had done that. Now let's start from here mm-hmm. and talk through it even more. Yeah. Because there's no way that someone else can fully understand someone else's trigger. If we don't know it's there, it's not like we're, you know, maybe sometimes people are intentionally, but when we're not intentionally doing it, you know, then it's kind of in a lot of ways out of our own hands. But the opportunity is when there is a trigger to not have an ego hit, to be like, oh, well, I'm causing that. And then, and then meet the protection with another self-protection. Because what it does, it creates separation. Yes. When the, the purpose of vulnerability is to create connection. The opposite. It's to create oneness. It's to yes. create unity in, that, in whatever that is. And, and so when we can meet it in that standpoint, I feel like that's when vulnerability becomes its greatest form. It becomes the tool to help us grow. Because through that process, we did grow together. It brought us closer. And I was able to step back and say, well, okay, if I'm not, although I feel like I'm responding in a way that's loving and caring, what is it that you need? And how can I adjust my communication to convey that? Because you're you're asking for what's needed right now. You're asking, you're the one asking for what, what is needed this time. It's not about me. And then afterwards I can then say, okay, now that I have an understanding, you know, asking those clarifying questions and really being there for you, I'm in return doing what I desired, which is to show you that I'm there for you. Yes. And it doesn't have to be uh, an ego approach from that standpoint, just by simply responding in vulnerability and connection is another way to get there. Yes. And as you have really allowed us to walk down through, it is very much about balancing that ego. Yeah. Right. To understand from both sides that we have to be willing to, even if from my side, I didn't get the response that I desired to not then be, okay, well, then it's not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So let's instead, okay, may not have been what I anticipated, but how do we continue to move this forward and gain insights from it? And that in itself is being vulnerable. 
And that's incredibly helpful, again, across all avenues in life. Mm -hmm. Because inevitably, yes, you're going to run into that in partnerships. Mm -hmm. You're going to run into it in friendships. Mm -hmm. And you can't consistently walk away from every friendship just mm -hmm. because you don't align. Mm -hmm. And you're going to run into it in business a lot. And so how do you have effective conversations that are vulnerable and authentic and that really and truly sets up for how it's continuing to kind of take the steps back and be mindful about, okay, am I being triggered in the conversation? Am I placing expectations on how another person should respond based on what I think? Mm -hmm. And have I firmly communicated my boundaries so that if someone has triggered me, they're aware and they can make a choice based on awareness instead of they should just already know that because yeah. no one's going to just know that. Yeah. How would you effectively communicate the difference between conditions, expectations, if that's in one category, mm -hmm. and personal boundaries. As you just said, it's really important. There is definitely a, mis a misconception, a misunderstanding. And so sometimes we want to go so far on one side, flip to the other, and we don't realize that, you know, if we're so focused on love, then we let someone completely trample over us, right? And we're like, well, I'm being vulnerable, and then we're ending up hurting ourselves through that process. Yes. And then on the other side, you know, we want to be vulnerable, but the reality is we end up just putting up a, a, a wall and just say, no, we're not going to let anyone in. Yeah. And so, and then that becomes more like, Hey, that's a condition. Yeah. And so it can be seen in that way. So beautifully right in the middle is this opportunity to share personal boundaries. Yes. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that and, and how they differ from conditions? Sure. Um, and again, this is based on my perception of it and how I've utilized them. So there may be differing perspectives out there, and I honor that. But for me, the way that I've always used them is expectations and conditions are expectations more than conditions, but expectations are very fluid. Like they just pop up within different circumstances. So you have expectations of how something will result based in the circumstance you're in. And it's based very much on our life conditions, right? Anything that has happened in our past kind of precipitates how we expect things will happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Conditions are setting parameters for each one of those situations. So situationally, we may start setting conditions. Mm. Um, like if I'm going to date, then it has to be under these circumstances and in this way. And here are my conditions around the dating world since we were talking about swiping mm. in gotcha. the apps, right? Yes. And so we've established conditions mm -hmm. where... Personal boundaries are very much about what I'm going to allow into my life. 
So it's more solid. It is set. It's kind of your guideposts for how things will enter into your energetic and your physical world. So one of them that I have for myself is I will only receive communication that is respectful and that I feel will move us forward. Mm -hmm. And if it is disrespectful and not engaging in forward movement, then I know that my guiding principle, which is how I'm going to engage outward, is to either redirect it mm -hmm. so that it does flow in that form or to remove myself from the conversation. Mm -hmm. That way, I'm not spending a lot of my time and a lot of my energy in conversations that are only going to drag me down. Mm. Because I have a limited amount of time on this earth. And it's not that I don't appreciate challenging conversations. Mm -hmm. Challenging conversations are great. I, we don't always have to agree, but you, they can be challenging and respectful, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so that to me is a personal boundary because I know whatever situation I go into, that is a constant. It is always there, ever present. And it's something I can communicate to everyone. Actually, if you go out on my Facebook page, you'll see my guiding principles and my personal boundaries. Right. I make certain everyone knows that this is how I choose to engage in life. I update them when needed, but they're pretty constant. That's a beautiful example. I feel like something to kind of add that cherry on top, if you will, yeah. is that, um, if you take love, for example, which is a really important area when it comes to vulnerability, that's where a lot of people want to automatically protect, right? When we have conditions, then we're adjusting how much love we're sharing. But when we are holding our personal boundaries, it's not, it's not adjusting the love. It's adjusting how we interact through love, with love. And I feel like that's such an important part that, that is hard for, for everyone to understand. Because I know I struggled when creating my personal boundaries at first. I was like, well, I don't understand how they can be. Why are they not connected? And the reality is, is that that love doesn't have to be limited experience can yes. we can still be extremely loving and love someone else and still hold our boundaries and that's our way of feeling and being strong in who we are that's us honoring our authentic self being vulnerable having strength in our vulnerability to express that and then still being the loving being that we are by loving them that person or those individuals for however they choose to respond to that or receive that in any way, shape or form. Sometimes in many ways, it's a great litmus test because if we're willing to share it and someone in our life isn't, you know, that's a good way to know, well, does this person really love me for who I am? Are they honoring my authenticity? And is this someone that I truly desire to be around if they're not, honoring who I am 
And that's a tough question to ask. I mean, talk about being vulnerable, especially when it's someone you care about or someone you've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that realization of authenticity and that vulnerability, and you recognize that maybe someone close or people close to you haven't been seeing you in that light or res- or responding to you in that, uh, it's it's definitely a. I mean, it takes strength to truly love oneself to say, this is not how I desire to be treated. Yeah. Well, and I know that in what you're saying, just to be clear, it isn't that you begin to start navigating people out of your life who aren't willing to allow you to be your authentic self. Once you start to begin to be vulnerable with them, and allow them to see you, I think it's only natural that many people will be like, hey, this is the first time I'm actually seeing you. Who are you? What, yeah. what is going on here? Because there is kind of a growth period mm-hmm. that happens where if you're embracing your authentic self, then you're starting to be vulnerable enough to show up as that authentic self. It's only going to be natural that people who have never seen this side of you because you've kept it hidden away are going to be a little bit confused about like where this whole new you came from. So giving them time to adapt and allowing them to be vulnerable and share with you like, Hey, it's utterly confusing me because the you that I knew didn't do this before. So help me understand. It opens things up to very vulnerable connections and can actually deepen the connection. But if they don't cross that threshold, if there just isn't an alignment, once you begin to really exchange in that way, then there is also a level of vulnerability that could occur where you just decide that, hey, I was pretending to be something I wasn't in order to fit into your world. Mm -hmm. And now maybe I was just not meant to be there. And it's okay to have those types of authentic and vulnerable conversations too. It doesn't mean that you don't still love and care about each other. It's just being willing to have the conversations so that you don't have to pretend to be something you're not in order to be with somebody that you care about. Right. Maybe there's a middle ground that once you start talking, you find ways to merge your two ideals. Mm-hmm. It's, there are so many different approaches. So I just desired to piggyback and make certain that we're clear that we're not saying you have to walk away from people or anything like that. It's just, hey, just have the conversations. Right. No, really well said. And I appreciate you providing that clarity uh, because that is such an important step in understanding and the whole point of this long form, you know, conversation in this way is to be able to discuss these kind of things because it can be lost and that's a critical, critical aspect. So thank you. Yeah, of course. And I feel like a large part of that is being present in any conversation that you're into. Because from my personal experience, a lot of the protection mode, Mm -hmm. even when I went into protection mode with you, was because I was triggered from something that, from a lot of things that had happened in my past. So all this stress from my past triggered me into this, oh my gosh, his behavior 
immediately makes me feel like he's going to do what all of these other people in my past did. So I need to protect myself so that I don't end up back there again. And so if I would have simply stayed present with you and realized you have never once in all of the years we've been together treated me in a fashion that would make me believe that you would cross my boundary in the same way, then I wouldn't have had the trigger at all. I could have simply stayed present with you and communicated with you, look, I don't perceive that what you are saying is what you intend. Can we navigate through what I'm receiving? And so in order to truly remain in that connected and vulnerable space, it does take a lot of practice of staying present and being aware of our triggers, being aware of those insecurities that immediately cause that stress response, that anxiety response, what's going to send us forward into the future and stress us out about what's coming up. Mm. What's going to send us backward and cause us depression or any kind of anxiety about how we've been treated in the past. And we're automatically going to make that what you're going to do. You know, so part of this whole practice of vulnerability is becoming very heightened to all of those things, which Mm. makes it such a strong practice. Empowering our authenticity and being aware of our triggers so that we can move through them and become even more self-connected. I love that. So the present moment is a key asset to making vulnerability a tool. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. If we're stuck in the past, then we're just shadows of who we are, who we were. Sorry. And if we're so focused in the future, then we're just being paralyzed by uh, something that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. One that we could end, unintentionally end up creating. So when we're in the present, then we are accessing who we are because we're never more ourselves than we are right now Yeah. <laughs> in the reality, right? That makes a lot of sense. I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah, and the only way to build our pres- our future moments mm-hmm. is by being right here now, because these are the building blocks mm-hmm. that are going to kind of build out whatever our future is. And if we are authentic and vulnerable, then that's a much stronger foundation mm-hmm. than pretending to be something else and protecting ourselves, mm-hmm. because we've already shelled ourselves in behind something that is not real and so how are we going to truly build a future from behind a false front it's just not possible right no emotional fight or flight and how can we really protect ourselves against something that doesn't exist that's just a lot of expended energy with no return You're fighting the wind, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it's interesting. As we're talking about this with 
we've talked a lot about it with the personal and emotional side of it, which I mean, practicing at home is the key element. If we can do this in our personal lives, then it's a lot easier to take it into a business structure or into our communities or even globally. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about expanding out, where do you have experience or where would you say if you were giving someone advice to take it to the next level, take it out from home and move into move vulnerability into other parts of their life, where would you tell them to go next? Hmm. I feel like this brings up the second part of, of why vulnerability is strength. And I would really like to elaborate on this. And that's that vulnerability is strength because it creates oneness. It eliminates separation. When we are vulnerable, it taps into love. Love is the strongest energy in the universe. It transcends time, space, culture, tradition, you name it. It is actually the bedrock, the foundational energy of all of that. And so when we are being vulnerable and we're tapping into that, then we are actually accessing the strongest energy. So that is why vulnerability is strength, not weakness. It was such a mind-blowing understanding to recognize that we are being, you know, because we've been taught, especially as men, right, that being protective and kind of being, you know, that strength and not showing, I'm not showing my weakness, family. I'm right? going to protect everything. Yeah, exactly. Not being vulnerable is strength. But if we're getting further away from the very strongest, from the strongest energy in this universe then that's not true strength. That's, again, a facade. That is ego. Mm -hmm. And so when tapping into vulnerability and accessing that strength, that's that, that love that is within every single thing in this universal structure, it's from there that we can create that bridge where there was otherwise perceived separation and we can have compassion, and empathy, and connection. And that's what builds that unity. That's what builds that oneness. That's what completely eradicates the illusion of separation. And we recognize that we're all the same having different experiences. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a beautiful energy to just be in. That's why vulnerability is such a life-changing tool. And the reason why I wanted to state that is because from that position, from that understanding, there is limitless possibility. You are releasing expectation. You are releasing condition. You are releasing the idea that of other, mm -hmm. 
and you are embracing love to its fullest extent and you are living in the unconditional. From there, whether it's personal, professional, collective, it's all possible. So when you talk about releasing conditions and then you talk about business, I know as somebody who has been in a business world a lot, that immediately my first response is, wait a second, I have to have conditions and parameters in my business or my business is going to crumble. I have contracts that are going to have to have terms and conditions. There have to be terms and conditions around employment. And so how can you be vulnerable in business and still honor the fact that conditions are necessary? Mm -hmm. Kind of seems like you're in a no-win situation if being vulnerable means no conditions, but I have to have conditions in order to run an effective business. Mm -hmm. So are we saying that in order to be vulnerable, you never have conditions in order to set up a structure that requires them? Or are we saying something different? Just so we can be clear. Sure. That's a great, great point. I genuinely feel we're saying something different than that. Um, but how? You know, that's a great that's a great question. Um, just like there are personal boundaries and guiding principles on the individual, there still can be the same for the business. What is a business but forming from individuals? And so when I first got into business, I was surprised, sadly surprised, by how much I encountered the energy of I'm going to screw you over before you screw me over. That was not a fun, you know, when I was kind of bright-eyed, looking to make a difference in the world, you know, young, excited. It was hard to be met with that. And then the questions, you know, how do we continue to evolve? How do we innovate? How do we make the world a better place if that is the energy? To me, that's a condition. If you do this, then I'll do this. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about evolving from that, shifting from that, recognizing that we can still be loving and conscious and aware in how we approach things while still having logical boundaries on how they will be executed. But again, it, it goes back to clarity of communication. If they're communicated up front and all parties are understood, there's no longer condition. It's an agreed upon understanding. Yes. Then there's no BS. There's no shadiness. There's no, none of that negative energy that pulls other people down to lift oneself up. If we do that, then we're, all we're doing is just hurting ourselves. When we recognize that there's opportunity for win, wins all around, then it's no longer about conditions. To me, that is living in that love. 
because you're seeing them and they're seeing you. That is vulnerability in action. It becomes about well-communicated agreements among a team. Mm -hmm. Even if it is that you've gone to a third party, the moment you make that contractual agreement, it's, it's a bond. It's now a bond mm -hmm. and no longer a condition. And so as you move through that in an open and vulnerable and well-communicated fashion, mm -hmm. then if something cannot be met, then instead of it getting ugly and suing and all of these very uncomfortable things, are there other alternatives? Maybe that will ultimately be what has to happen. We don't know. But are there other options when you're vulnerable and you're communicating, you're consistently seeking solutions between a team mentality instead of, as you said, an us versus you mentality. Mm -hmm. And so it isn't that there aren't defined items that we all contractually agree to. It is that there are instead of having expectations that are not communicated and we're not in it together, it is instead being vulnerable enough to see that we are all in this together, whether we recognize that or not. Right. So well said. And just as it is on a personal level, in a business level, it starts from the inside to the out, as we've discussed prior, right? Yeah. Start asking, how can we be vulnerable as a team within the company first? Because from there, then we can understand how to be vulnerable in a team outside of the company and create connection through that. Yeah. The most successful organizations I've ever seen have all been about team connection, understanding, and being all on the same playing field. They all understand what's going on and they all benefit together. And the same goes for communities, right. right? So I was fortunate to be part of a very small little community when I lived in Ohio. It was the sweetest little community. And we were all always on the same page. We were constantly keeping each other informed of what was going on. And it was always about being there for each other, vulnerable, transparent. If somebody was sick we would figure out how to bring things to the individual that was sick, you know, but first the person had to be vulnerable enough to say, Hey, look, I'm sick and I could really use help from the community. That's something that's fading at least where I have lived most recently. It isn't as though we're in a community where people are reaching out often and saying, Hey, I'm sick. I could really use the community rallying and supporting us. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's gone forever. Mm -hmm. It is still a possibility if we would ever choose to do that. These are the things that once we start to build it within our own little spaces, then we can begin to ripple it out. The ripple effect works for everything, right? You get it solid within your space and then you can start to build it out and it can 
ultimately end up impacting our overall approach to living across the entire planet. Right. So what you'd like to see around you start first with yourself. Yes. And that is the pretense of being a heart leader. Right. Right. As we wrap up here, what do you feel? I'd love for you to elaborate briefly on vulnerability as a heart leader. Yeah. So a heart leader is just someone who leads from the heart in any form in life, whether that's being a parent or a friend leading their own lives. They're just leading from that heart centered connection and then engaging the mind and thought and awareness. And so when we do that from that space of vulnerability, then we begin to have that empathy and that willingness to, even for ourselves, give ourselves grace, right? Because often we're so hard on ourselves and we're our own harshest critic. And so as we were talking at the beginning, when those insecurities come up, and we're observing our insecurities, then from that space of vulnerability, we can have compassion for ourselves Mm. and say, okay, as someone who is leading with heart and then engaging intellect, I can understand why I felt that way, but I also understand I have a choice to feel something different. And then... As I practice that for myself, I can engage that for others. I can, from a vulnerable place, understand where I may have triggered you. And then have compassion and empathy. That's beautiful. Um, Vulnerability really is our way of accessing empathy and compassion. And our way of showing others that they can be seen and to open the door for others to see us. Thank you all so much for being here with us today as we really discuss what it means to be vulnerable and how vulnerability is true strength through love. Uh, This month, our free tool is, of course, related to vulnerability, and we have created an amazing vulnerability journal to really help dive into that. And it really kind of discusses everything from your spiritual life to your personal life and and all aspects of self. So when you're diving into vulnerability, you can start to understand where in the different parts that, that make up you, you can really understand vulnerability at all levels of who you are. And from that point, you can start to really connect your authentic self through vulnerability And then that can bring us on to the next one, which we will discuss next month. But um, yeah, again, free download. And uh, so there's a link down below. And also we have this incredible uh, new membership portal called the Heart Leader Toolbox. It's all completely free. 
Uh, it's really everything, all the podcasts every week get uploaded into there and a bunch of uh, free tools are all accessed in there and a bunch of bonuses just because we love you. So thank you, my love. Amazing, amazing conversation. I truly appreciate you. Thank, thank you, you for showing your love, your vulnerability today. And everyone who listened today, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining in. And, uh, and we love you. We'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to the Heart Leader Podcast with your host, Amber, where heart and mind align. Tune in weekly as we take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. Ready to take the next step? Join us and over 1 million people worldwide who've united in creating this global movement of love. Become a heart leader for today and tomorrow. Learn more and connect with us at sweetvera.org. This episode of the Heart Leader Podcast was brought to you by Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas is one of the nation's leading boutique search and interim resources firms and has been recognized as a leader in identifying and providing access to top talent for clients since 1984. Whether it's a company preparing to go to the next level or a candidate looking for better opportunities, Stephen Douglas keeps the focus on the needs of the people they serve. They specialize in connecting the right talent to a company's needs, while also understanding what the market demands. To learn more about this amazing organization, visit them at stephendouglas.com.